Hi, this is Norm MacDonald, and you're listening to the Think Funny Podcast. Welcome to Think Funny, the Think Funny Podcast. Uh, this is Aaron. Don- <laughs> this is Aaron Donnelly. I'm here with my co-host uh, Nate Sadler. Hey, everybody. And Matt Donnelly. Hey, fellas. And today we have a very special guest, uh, an old friend, but a guy who's we can live hopefully vicariously through to some degree. Uh, Mitch. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to live vicariously through me. Um, uh, Mitch Emerson. But I appreciate it. Yeah. So say hi, Hello, Mitch. everybody. All right. So Mitch is, um, why don't you tell us what you're doing, Mitch? You're living in L.A. You're chasing the dream. I live in L.A. I chase the dream. Everybody out here is an actor and identifies as such or a comedian, but right. uh, I am an Uber driver yes. and a karaoke host. That's what I tell people. Not because I don't believe that the acting thing could never happen or the stand-up thing could never take off, but that's what I do to try and make money and try and live here in expensive L.A. So... Um, I was friends with uh, Mitch. We were friends in high school, but honestly, I haven't really talked to Mitch. I've just seen him on Facebook, and we're now forty-one. Nineteen ninety-six, <clears throat> yeah. But I just, I just really, Mitch. I feel like you're the kind of guy that, if someone says, "Do you know Mitch Emerson?" they immediately respond with, "I love Mitch," and they're just that type of guy. Like you're one of my favorite people, even though I, we don't, you know, talk or anything like that. I just have great memories of just hanging out and. I can absolutely reciprocate <laughs> that sentiment. I yeah. feel the same way about you, man. Yeah. I was trying to think of some Mitch thoughts, that, you know, just of us. And I had actually, there's actually a few stories of us that that I tell like uh, often. I mean, I the tell. The wheelchair. Yeah. So <laughs> one was uh, we were on the band. Uh, marching band trip to florida yeah and uh, uh mitch played trombone i played trumpet and then we also we had some other friends uh was uh well, nathan cornball would have been brett mccormick would have been there um yeah yeah anyway sure. so we uh we're in we got to spend the day like in disneyland and, and bush gardens and stuff and mitch we took a wheelchair and mitch would sit in the wheelchair and i would run as fast as i could and like push him into a crowd <laughs> there's that bit that was pretty good and then why are you doing this <laughs> who are you it sounds like jackass before jackass is what it sounds like <laughs> and then my favorite bit was i'd push him i'd w- go with him into the crowd and then i'd dump him over and he'd be sort of scro- like kind of crawling on the ground a little bit and i'd go i'm sick of taking care of you when is it going to be my <laughs> life when is it gonna be my time it's always about you you know and then we get up and run it's funny because it's true yeah (laughs) yeah and then uh there was one time i remembered where we were uh in the high in the hallway where band was and you'd always stand in front of me and like fake swing and punch me like fake punch oh, me. Oh, I hate this story. I hate and this the girl... story. I feel so bad. I, literally, like a couple of months before you got in touch with me, I thought about this story and still <laughs> in the pit of my fucking heart, I'm just oh god, like the sweetest guy in the world, no. the best guy in the world, Aaron Donnelly. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, punched uh, him in the face. Yeah, punched him right him. in the face. Cold cocked me. So, so he'd be like faking, like swinging and just coming up with something uh, like an inch of my nose as I was just talking to him about normal things. <laughs> and then Mitch would be there doing that. And then a girl came along and was like, hey, Mitch. And she like grabbed his hand or grabbed his arm and, and knocked it oh, straight. Punched me right in the nose, and immediately my nose started bleeding all over. And I instinctively jumped up and kicked him in the stomach, <laughs> as you should. And then a uh, like a circle started forming, like there was a real fight. And we were like, "We got to get out of here. We're gonna get in trouble." And so we ran to the band room, and I was laughing so hard. It was awesome. Yeah, it's that was gotta be the only time you've ever been punched, Aaron. It, it, right. it is. It's the only time. Oh, man. And I was the guy that did it. And your I ex, was the did guy your ex ever punch it. you, though, Aaron? Uh, I've been hit many times <laughs> by uh, different women, but not directly it was in the mo- face. It's mostly emotional pain, I <laughs> yeah. think, is what I'm getting from yeah. Aaron. And another night that really stuck out to me about you, Mitch, was uh, we were hanging out. We didn't hang out a ton outside of school, but it was you and me and... Maybe Brett and maybe like Kevin Gunzenhauser. We were at your house, I think, and we were maybe like spending the night. And it was super late. And it was like one in the morning, two in the morning. And we'd all kind of been drinking a little bit. And I think you more than the others. Probably. And we started walking around town, like downtown or whatever. And we got to some train tracks. And Mitch, a train is coming, barreling oh, towards. Oh, yeah. And Mitch is doing like the fake uh, drunk stumbling man, like yelling at the train that these are my tracks and I'm the <laughs> immovable object. And <laughs> and they got to the point where it was like the train was getting close and like actually blowing the horn. And we pulled, <laughs> we pulled Mitch off like just in time for the train to pass. I mean, that, and then as the train goes by you, that's a, that is an odd gravity feeling. You feel like it's going to pull you into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just I remember at that moment I was thinking... There's something special about this guy. Think funny. Think, think funny. When did you move out to L.A., Mitch? And what were your goals and dreams at the time? And now that they've been shattered, what are they now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I moved out here a little bit over six years ago. And uh, ever since I was in the fourth grade, um, do you remember, you remember Elizabeth Miller, right? Oh, yeah. From high school? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. No, she wasn't just absolutely beautiful in high school, but she was beautiful in elementary school uh, as okay. well. And when I was in the fourth grade, she was reading a magazine, and it had Kirk Cameron on the cover. Right. And I, I immediately, I was like, wow, Elizabeth Miller is reading a magazine, and she's reading uh, an article about Kirk Cameron. Yeah. And it was just, everything lined up and made sense to me at that point. Right. I was like, that is it. I know what I want to do now. Does she uh, know this? Guy, uh, no, no, she, she has absolutely no idea. Um, but uh, I was like, it may, this all makes sense. I mean, Kirk Cameron, he goes and he gets to be this character and have fun doing that. And I think they pay him money even to do that. And Liz Miller is reading about him. So I went home that night and I told my sister, I know what I want to do with my life. 
And she said, oh, what, do you, what is that? And I said, I'm going to be an actor. Yes. Liz Miller is going to read about me someday. And she said, oh, that's great, but you can't because you live in Iowa and you either have to live in New York or Los Angeles. And so I went to my parents and I said, can we move to Los Angeles? And they, you know, wanted to know why. I said, because I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a star. And we have to go to Los Angeles to facilitate that. And they said they'd think about it. I don't think they ever did actually think about it. But that had always been something that I wanted to do to come out here and pursue acting, pursue stand-up at some point. And um, about uh, eight years ago now, a little over eight years ago, my mother passed away. And that was, you know, when I realized, you know, life is just too short and I should be doing what I want to do or at least going after that. And I've always wanted to live in L.A. I've always wanted to pursue acting. So uh, that was the impetus to try and um, get me out here. And so I moved out here and I studied Meisner technique for two years and uh, took some other acting classes and did improv for two years and a buddy of mine that uh, I did improv with was like hey you know you're in our improv group and you're you're a good performer Um, would you want to do a two-man improv yeah and I said no (laughs) because I mean if we're if we're narrowing it down to two people why don't I just narrow it down to one, one more. And, yeah. yeah and uh so I don't I'd always wanted to try stand up and but I just I, I a confidence thing really is what it was I just didn't have the confidence oh. to get up there and so a Mitch, you have like of, all the confidence you portray all the confidence no no it seems like that <laughs> if you can't do it like then that. there's no hope for the rest of no, us no 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 you got you got to fake it and eventually you'll feel it but uh i did i didn't i wasn't sure that i was going to be funny enough to do that and so a member of my improv group had a girlfriend that actually took this stand-up class by with a woman a uh, very funny comedian um, out here in L.A. by the name of Jody Miller. And I went to the performance at the end of the class. Everybody had to perform. Uh-huh. And all of the people that I saw were genuinely funny and had well-written sets. And so I decided to take Jody Miller's uh, stand-up class and that is what ultimately gave me the confidence to get on stage the first time. And then once I got up there, I mean, I wanted to get up there again and again and again and again. Right. I mean, um, so so did you your first time up is open mic. You have to you sign up. It's like a lottery you usually pick, right? Or it depends where you go, I guess. There's lots of places in L.A. There are open mics here in L.A. I would suggest, actually, if you can take a class uh, with somebody that um, is established, I would, I would recommend doing that because Jody was a great mentor for me. And it will ultimately, a lot of people uh, that I have seen here in L.A. uh, beginning stand-ups don't have the confidence and just don't even know how to stand on a stage. And it might sound silly, but like uh, our first minute of class, 
uh, Jody is on the stage in front of us and she said, okay, this is a microphone. This is a microphone stand. You can either take the microphone out or you can leave it in the stand. A lot of people will take the microphone out and just kind of stand and hold the stand. And that sounds amazingly silly, but I have seen comics in LA that just don't even know how to stand there. Are you sure you know? you're in the right class? <laughs> you weren't in the remedial class for people who need help learning? No, no, no. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I mean, I, I, I learned how to drive a motorcycle, operate a motorcycle some years back, and I took a class for that. And when they started, they started with just a power walk where you have the bike on, but you're just walking it with your feet. And that's the best way to start. I mean, nice and for me, for me, nice and slow and just kind of take everything uh, in and you're able to absorb it when you do that. Now, my, my other question to you, Mitch, is does uber have a magazine that perhaps we could interview in and mail to elizabeth miller <laughs> <laughs> the driver of the month it's it, it's uber beat like tiger beat except it's uber beat <laughs> i can't imagine that they don't i mean why not ground links is very big out here they do have a second city um, out here as well. Um, and it costs citizens. money to take classes, Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything in L.A. costs money. Were you going to say Upright Citizens Brigade? Yeah, the UCB. Oh, I love that. That was one of my favorite shows. Genius. Oh, yeah, and it's it's a great... It's They have a building now in Hollywood, but it's, it's, it's very reminiscent of like a community college, and it's very, it seems very much like a classroom type setting, and they've got people working on that craft and doing improv, and UCB is very established. Uh, another one that's been up and coming is Nerdist and IO. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of places to learn improv. So the goal, the path that people try and get on is like, you do open mics, you get involved in an improv class, and then you hopefully get an agent to potentially get like commercial work or what, what do you think is like a good path for someone? I mean, that that's kind of one of the standard ways to go about it. I have a commercial agent myself. And you were on a commercial, was it an Apple commercial or what was it? Uh, it was an... Yeah, yeah, I'm basically rich and famous here in LA. <laughs> uh, you can see the side of my face for six seconds in an iPhone commercial. Nice. Is that and, on IMDb? Uh, also, <laughs> of course. Of just course, your, just right the side of your top. face. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, which side? <laughs> Was it, did you get to choose uh, the side? Not even my good one, but it's uh, still great. It's okay. still great. No, worth, I saw it. It was, it was a good commercial, actually. It was great. You were a movie, <laughs> you were a moving guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I, to be honest with you, I thought you were BSing. I was like, yeah, Aaron didn't see that commercial. You it, did it, that. That's great. Me, I would definitely have that like uh, on freeze frame on my TV permanently. So when people walk in my house, you'd be like, oh my gosh, look, my commercial's on. So uh, have you been? Uh, have you done extra work or any other commercial stuff? Or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a lot of extra work. Well, maybe not a lot, but uh, my elbow is prominently featured in a couple of different things. And there was actually, I got to um, work on Silicon Valley, really? which if you can do extra work for an HBO show, because they have, you know, dollars and dollars and dollars. 
do it, do it, because they treat you right. Uh, the lunch is a buffet with, you know, um, steak, and it's it's great. And uh, actually, when I did that, that was one of the first extra gigs that I ever did, and I didn't know all the rules. So at lunch, I'm, you know, sitting in between uh, Thomas, uh, the, I can't remember his name now. I want to say Middletitch. Yep. I, is that yep. it? Did, okay, Thomas Middletitch and Martin Starr. I'm sitting right in between them, and <laughs> hey I guys. finished my I finished my lunch before the security guard was like, "You know, you're not supposed to sit there, right?" And I was, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm the only extra at this table. I just I couldn't get over the steak. I uh... did you eat the last steak? <laughs> no, that's the thing. That I mean, so much, so much food, but." Uh, that was that was great. Season two, episode six, and you can kind of. I, I had a couple of people who texted me and was just like, "Was that you?" And I was amazed that they were able to recognize me. But uh, there's a fun. Where's Where's Waldo? Where's Where's Mitch Emerson? If you uh, have HBO, season two, episode six, I was the homicide mechanic. <laughs> Um, homicide mechanic yeah there was a homicide sports drink in a car that they were going to launch over a building and i was one of the mechanics on said car and so that was a lot of fun because i actually got to interact with mike judge oh and yeah yeah because there was a scene that they didn't ultimately end up using but i was i was right on camera for that with the other mechanic and he was talking to me, and I made some small comment, and uh, he laughed. I made a comment about, because uh, he was eating Fritos the whole day, and he said something about, how did I miss that? And I was like, you were probably too busy eating Fritos, dude. And he laughed, and I was just like, all right, I'm on the board. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, you've made me laugh at least a thousand times, and now I've got one. That's great. So, man. yeah. No, it's, it was a great experience. Extra work is pretty cool. They usually treat you pretty well um, with uh, food and snacks and the the green or not the green room but the holding area yeah so for those who don't know like i remember when i lived in la my friends would do it and they'd call into a number at the time anyway and the message would be like we're looking for a black woman in her early 50s overweight and sassy we're looking for you know and they have these like did you apply for that one aaron (laughs) (laughs) and then aaron shows up Mitch, tell us, you're a big guy. How tall are you and how much do you weigh? I am six foot three and I'm guessing that I weigh around 275 pounds. But you look like a pro wrestler. I do. I do. You look like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, I get that. I, I do get attractive that. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> Thank or, you very much for qualifying. Or I, did, that. I did watch uh, some of your stand up on YouTube, and you said you look like Ogre, and you do yes. look exactly like Ogre. That made me laugh out loud. I never wanted to believe it. And then I was, I was at a bar in Hollywood, and I looked up from my whiskey, and there was a mirror behind the bar, and I saw my face, and I was, oh, I do look, I look exactly like Ogre. Do people ever make There's you no scream out, nerd? They try. 
they try. I don't do it for them. I'm not. Uh, I, I I'm not as good as people would like me to be with the the nerds thing. I don't sound enough like him. At least you don't look like Booger. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I do want a Who Farted T-shirt. I think it's a it's an existential question that is always just should be out there. What do you try and do when you sit down? Or what is your process like to try and come up with material? Um, well, I mentioned Jody Miller before, and one thing that's the main thing, the main takeaway from her class is to find your voice as a comedian. Find out, uh, you know, think about who you are. Think about the things about you that you think are funny and then make them relatable to other people. So what kind of voice do you think you have? I am definitely known by the comedians that I've performed with as the adopted comic. Because I talk about uh, being adopted, they're just like, oh, yeah. I really enjoyed uh, how you're a little self-deprecating, which I I like when people can poke fun at themselves. And I really enjoyed how you kind of broke the wall and you interacted with the crowd a little bit. I I think a lot of comedians, I feel like there's some fear there to start to interact with the crowd and I, I like that I saw you do that once or twice absolutely absolutely I mean crowd work is key and um, you know and not just crowd work but making eye contact and sometimes that's hard to do because you've got a bunch of lights in your face but I mean even if you have a bunch of lights in your face if you can see the front row play to them and if you make a connection with them, the rest of the people will kind of follow. But, I mean, interacting with the audience is is pretty key uh, when you're doing stand-up. And in today's age, I think it might even be more key because everybody's got a cell phone. And if you aren't engaging with them, it is not uncommon for some 20-year-old who doesn't understand, you know, theater etiquette to start getting on their phone and, you know, doing Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. So would you ever point that out during a show? Oh, yeah, you got to. I mean, you've got to. Uh, fortunately, it's it's. I, I've never noticed it happening to me, but uh, there was a, a great comedian uh, that I saw that was really funny, and there was a girl in the front row that was on her phone, and he called her out. He said, you know what? Uh, please don't record this, you know. And of course, she wasn't recording it. She just she wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> she wasn't He's paying like, attention at I, all. Right, right, right. He's like, I know I'm really funny, and I know you want to save this moment forever, but could you could you please not record me with your phone? And she was just kind of like, what? 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 Phone? What? And uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got to do what you can to make people pay attention to you. And you ever call out somebody for watching internet porn while you're doing a set? <laughs> oh man, I wish, <laughs> I wish. Of course, if it was the right kind of porn, I might just stop my set completely. <laughs> That's it, uh, Mitch. Thanks. Huge, huge into <laughs> tentacle porn now. <laughs> so uh, I just found out that's a thing, tentacle porn. Have you heard of this, Aaron? Have you heard of this, Nate? I, I know what a tentacle is. I don't think I want to know the rest from there. <laughs> yeah, I think you can. I think you can figure it out. So you do a karaoke, you leave like a karaoke show too, Mitch? What's that, what's that about? What are you doing there? Yes, I. One of the ways that I have tried to survive here in LA is uh, been working the door at various bars, and I work at a great bar here in Koreatown called R Bar. And the owner one day when I was working the door said, "Mitch, we need a host for brunch time karaoke." 
and I was like, well, good luck. Sounds horrible. And she was like, oh, well, we'd like you to do it. And I said, oh, of course. <laughs> of course I will. And so she said, we want you to come up with a character. We want you to wear something maybe outrageous or different. And we want you to be comfortable. So immediately, right after she said comfortable, I said, I'm just going to run with that. And I'll just I'll just come here and host karaoke and what I went to bed in last night and throw on a robe <laughs> and I will be KJ Cozy Tracks nice. and I will be yeah so it's it's a pretty good gig because I get to wear my PJs yeah and uh, man here in Koreatown uh, karaoke is taken very very seriously yeah. we've got some great regulars that come in and everybody's a star in LA. That's, isn't that just sad, though? It doesn't leave you with some sadness. When... <laughs> Aaron, I'm always crying on the inside. But yeah, there is a special place in my heart for somebody that sings off-key and yeah, just does not care whatsoever. That's me on every it, Disney cruise. There you go, man. <laughs> come to L.A., come to L.A., come to our bar, sing some karaoke. So, uh... You've been there for six years. What fears do you have inside as, you know, questions or, you know, do you ever question yourself on the decision? And Constantly. Constantly. The thing is, for me, though, I mean, I've never wanted to do anything like I've wanted to perform. Like, I never wanted to be a, never wanted to be a dentist or an accountant or a financial advisor more than I wanted to perform. I never had a passion for anything else. So, I mean, as long as I am alive, I mean, I just, I would not be being true to myself if I didn't pursue what I wanted to do. You seem like a guy who's always out having a good time. (laughs) When I can afford it. Like I said, LA is very expensive and I work as a KJ host and an Uber (laughs) driver. So there are limitations. Do you try bits on, uh, do you try to be funny with uh, people riding in the Uber with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It helps with tips. People like, you're the kind of guy that you have a certain gravity around you, like large items do in space. I am very large. But also, uh, just on a personal level, I remember people just like to touch you. Do you ever get that? People want to hug you? Girls, when people want to touch you and hug you, do you get that a lot? I do, I do. And it's uh, it's kind of problematic sometimes because I'll get people drunk at the bar, and it's usually not girls like you said it's usually guys and i'm just like what are you doing like if i were a female you'd be in jail already it's 60 year old korean businessmen (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like they would have the money to touch me for the right price (laughs) for the right price yeah 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 so mitch i gotta ask you uh did you get to actually have a conversation with rob Lowe when you were on mental samurai i, I what you saw is pretty much is what i got i did not uh he's he's a big big movie star and yeah so we, we just interacted with him on on the set when we were filming but uh nothing backstage or anything he always struck me as a guy that would either be a good hang or an absolute bag. Absolutely horrible. And just one or the other. There's no middle of the road. He looks like that guy, but uh, I was just curious. I think I think he would be. I think he would be a good hang. And uh, let me tell you, the TV doesn't even do him justice. Everybody backstage was talking, men and women were just talking about how gorgeous 
this dude was. And I mean, he really is. He really is. He's he really is. Been, yeah, moisturizing or whatever, working for him. For a guy his age, he's just, he's very humpable. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a very attractive man. What's it? Do they coach you how to be excited? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, one of the things that they tell you to do, I kind of wish I wouldn't have done so much because I don't feel like I would have run out of time. Because um, when I was on the show, the first round, you have five minutes to answer 12 questions. And I answered 11 of the questions right. I They spun me around in the chair to answer the 12th question, and the screen never lit up because I ran out of time. But one of the things they tell you to do to help the show out is when you're thinking about the answer, think out loud. Uh, okay. And they say... They tell you that, you know, it might seem counterintuitive to do that, but in the long run, it actually helps you slow down and think about things thoroughly. But I don't know. I kind of wish that I hadn't have done it to the extent that I had. Man, you nailed it. I knew, I, I thought for sure. I mean, because you've always been a really smart guy, and I just knew, like, man, he's going to do well. And I felt like the video coming on and showing you the question was too slow and taking up your time. I don't know. It felt... Did you feel that way? Like it yeah. was delaying you on purpose or something? Yeah, I've I've heard that from other people. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I wish I would have been a little bit quicker myself. How did you get on the show? I actually stalked Rob Lowe for many years. Right, right. And he's finally just beyond Mental Samurai. Yeah. Um. No, I had a friend of mine from Iowa who works uh in production out here, and she you know, got in touch with me and said, you know, you should do this show. You'd be fun. And so I submitted a, an application and then went through three, like, Skype interviews with some producers and people. And yeah, and then ultimately at the end of that, they, they said, you know, come on and, and do it. And so last October, that's that's what I did. And it was a lot of fun. I would definitely, I didn't win the 10,000, but it was a lot of fun. I would do it again. So um, the big question I really had, and you covered it early, was like, your mom died. And this was your uh, adopted mm -hmm. mom? Yes. And because yep. uh, the big question I think a lot of people have is like, a lot of people think, well, maybe I could go give it a shot, go move to LA or New York and maybe try it. But nobody does it. And what, yeah. you know, I, I understand like with your mom dying and that would be a major time to reevaluate re your life. But what makes you different in that you did it and you're trying it and others aren't? What do you think that is? I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's just, I have this... I've, I have equal parts like incurable optimism and like absolute despair living inside <laughs> me. There's this dichotomy where I just like, I simultaneously think that I can absolutely do it and I simultaneously think that I'm going to die in this one bedroom apartment in Koreatown <laughs> with a cereal spoon hanging out of my mouth. I... Yeah, but um, I don't know if you've ever heard that, you know, you have two tigers inside of you, one that thinks you can do it, one that, you know, thinks that you can't, and they're constantly fighting, and, you know, whichever one wins is... Yeah. But yeah, I just, uh, like I said, it's not, 
even so much a question for me as whether I can or whether I should, but it's just something inside me that I have to because it's the only thing that I really want. Yeah, you know? that's great. That's great. Besides, besides Liz Miller. <laughs> <laughs> The first thing I noticed about when I was watching your stand-up was you can almost immediately, pretty much from the first joke, know if you're rooting for somebody or not. And I'm like, I'm rooting for this guy. Like, I want to hear what this guy has to say. I'm rooting for this guy. This guy uh, seems to be enjoying what he's doing. So yeah. I, I, I really immediately was drawn into your set just because you could you could tell you had the confidence to be on stage, whether that was you psyching yourself up or not. But uh, I, I just really enjoyed. I could see there was just kind of a joy in your set that really drew me in. So you really like people too. Like it's oh, yeah. not a standoff. It's like people like you, you like them. It's an enjoyable process to watch. Comedy is about having fun. The people that come there, they want to laugh. That's why they're at a comedy show. Yeah. And I want to make them laugh. That's why I'm doing comedy. Yeah. And so for me, it's just my voice. Um, I try to make it more positive and, and, you know, let's have fun. Let's have fun. What do you want to do? What's your goals if you had to lay out like a two-year plan for like extending your career? Or what would you like to see happen ultimately? What are kind of your dreams with that? I mean, ultimately, I'd like to keep auditioning and maybe, you know, get some small parts. I mean, I don't need to make it huge as an actor, but I would like to make uh, a, a viable living from it. I would right. like to say, sustain myself solely from acting and and from doing comedy. And you have to do whatever you can do uh, to be creative, and you have to choose as many venues as you can to be creative. Um, if you're just auditioning, the reality is you're auditioning, and so are 250 other people. You know, it's very hard to get cast in something auditioning if you're unknown, if you don't have anything on your IMDb. Right. Um, so uh, what I've been doing lately, I've kind of taken a break, kind of standing back from the comedy, and I've been working on some screenplays. What you got in the hopper? Um, I'm, I've finished a, a draft that I need to keep revising, but I really like it. It's, uh, it's copyrighted through the screen uh, writers guild so i think i can talk about it safely but it's called daddy's girl and basically when i turned 36 i was kind of lamenting the fact that there are no milestones anymore right. and uh you know you turn 18 you're an adult you can vote you turn 21 you can drink you know you turn 25 you can rent a car or whatever uh 36 i'm just like there are absolutely no more milestones left in my life and i was i told that to a friend of mine while we were drunk and he said what are you talking about dude you're 36 that's the ultimate milestone and he said you're 36 you can legally sleep with a girl half your age and get away with it <laughs> Um, so I kind of ran with that with this screenplay, but it's, it's a comedy and yeah. And then I've got another one that is of course, uh, about Uber driving and it's kind of like an update of Taxi Driver, uh, with Robert De Niro and, uh, but it's set in, uh, modern day and instead of New York, LA, which has its own perspective.
do you envision uh did you write these with like yourself in mind playing these roles or did you just write them kind of in general i did i did i mean i always do that and in fact when i'm writing them the the lead character is in the first draft anyway is always named mitch because it just makes makes it easier for me a hacksaw jim duggan looking fellow (laughs) puts down his two by four nerds So uh, we're about out of time here, Mitch, but if someone wants to check you out, what's the name of the bar where you do the karaoke at? Uh, It's called Our Bar in Koreatown in L.A. It's at 3331 West 8th Street. And uh, yeah, definitely if you're in the neighborhood. I do karaoke brunches every Saturday and Sunday between the hours of 2 and 6 p.m. I host every Wednesday night from 9 to 2 and uh, the first two Sundays of the month from 9 to 2. Great. So if we would like to check in with you occasionally, would that be okay, Mitch, to see how I would Mitch love is it. Doing? I love seeing your beautiful face <laughs> right now, Aaron. You just want to punch it right in the nose. Oh, don't. Let's not end with the punching story. <laughs> no, that's good, oh. man. Well, we're, I'm just excited for you, Mitch. I think you're in the right place, and I think you've got a gift, man, and I just wish you the best. So it's good to oh, really catch man. up with you, Best everybody. of luck to you, Mitch. I really enjoyed what I saw so far, so best of luck in the future. Excellent. Yeah, man, Thank I hope, you guys I hope you get so your much. big break, man. You'll get it soon. I'm sure you will. Uh, well, I'm going to keep trying. Uh, regardless of whether I get it, I'm going to keep trying. All right, well, for uh, Aaron Donnelly and uh, all my friends here, Mitch Emerson, Nate Sadler, Matt Donnelly, thanks for listening to the Think Funny Podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Oh, thank you guys so much. I'm sorry, I I have this cat in here, and... uh, Hold on. (laughs) That makes me feel a little bit better, because every podcast, you can hear my phone ringing like a hundred times, and now we get to hear your cat meowing. I I feel a little better now. He's like... uh, He's 15 years old, he's got no teeth, and he just is a lover. He just wants to always cuddle. Go away. You are listening to Think Funny with Aaron Donnelly, Nate Sadler, and Matt Donnelly. For show notes and to check out Aaron's books, please visit AaronDonnelly.com.